0: and welcome to the JCN Podcast Show. It's
1: Friday. Well, it is for us at the moment anyway. <laughs> it is.
0: I'm Jessica. And I'm Carissa. And we're here once again to discuss some exciting topics with you.
1: Hormones. Woohoo! Our favourite.
0: It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, not. <laughs> I think we like it, but we at the same time are a bit ugh about it because it's, it's so full on. There's just yeah. so much. You say hormones and it's like...
1: Yeah, it's not just it. It's not just, okay, let's just look at how. I suppose it's like the gut as well. Like, it's not just this, you know, one size fits all thing. But I find with hormones, there's a. With the gut, I feel like there's so so much stuff you can understand and it makes sense. But with Mm. hormones, oh, it's like you get it, but there's so many elements out of your control as well, like stress and.
0: Yeah, it's so like it's so individualized like the gut's individualized and of course so too, but
1: responsive to everything else that, yeah the hormones are so responsive to everything else that's going on in the body they're so different so different mm. oh my god okay so that's what we're going to talk about <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, we're, just, like, we're overwhelmed uh, <laughs> now that we've just told you how much we love them <laughs>
0: so we're going to start by running through the Probably the most common hormonal conditions that we see in the yep. clinic and probably that people are dealing with out there. We're obviously not going to cover everything. No. Um, but let's start by running through some of the most common reproductive
1: Reprodu- hormones, reproductive conditions hormones. that we yeah. see. Yeah. So PCOS, yep. definitely. Um, yep. And so differentiating between the two types of PCOS. So you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome is something we see a lot, but also just polycystic ovaries. Yeah. So two two conditions within a – two sub-conditions within a uh, disease or disease process, I suppose. Yep, for sure, for sure. The differentiation being the ovarian, the syndrome style, you typically get the cysts on the ovaries, you usually – um, some androgenic complications mm. as well. So the hair growth or cystic acne and things like that, and yep. or insulin resistance tied in with that. Whereas yep. polycystic ovaries, it's just typically the cystic the cysts on the ovaries. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's yep. good. Actually, you pointed that out because I think sometimes well, a lot of the time people don't understand the difference between yep. the two. Yeah, and true. I think when they think of pe- people, of classically think of PCOS, they always think of the insulin resistance and side of things, and, and the they head- think of the weight loss and the hair growth mm. and um, – sorry, the weight oh loss. Goodness. Sorry, the yeah. weight gain. <laughs> I was like,
1: well, no. we don't have the same condition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yep. there's all these sort of yeah. things that are like, oh, I can't have PCOS because I don't have those, yeah, you know, like, those are well, really
1: classic conditions. Yeah, Well, you, and whereas yeah. you can have cysts on your ovary. So yeah. you can have an, more of like even an estrogenic yes. style piece, polycystic picture as opposed yep. to an androgenic yep for sure polycystic picture Yes. <laughs> so
0: something like pcos is, yeah the, the hormone disarray is kind of going down quite a few mm-hmm. pathways whereas with some of the other more common conditions i mean obviously again the hormones can be doing all sorts of things but we've got more classic estrogen dominance. malfunction mm-hmm. or really strong dominance of your yep. more um, detrimental types of estrogen yeah yep. so we've got things like endometriosis, adenomyosis. Mm-hmm. Did we say it right? We did.
1: <laughs> Fibroids. Yeah. Um, even like fibrocystic breast tissue. Yeah. yeah true, like it's true. not so much something that people would specifically come in with, but I do find when like with estrogenic style pictures that um, yep. fibrocystic breasts seem to tie in with yep. that yep. as well. Um. Definitely. Um, definitely. And then I guess
0: we would move from there um, on to some of the more of the thyroid conditions yeah. under the same umbrella, obviously, of mm-hmm. our hormones. Yeah. So we're going to be seeing things um, in the spectrum of hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. Mm-hmm. Um such a diversity of where people are sitting there with their yeah. hormone
1: profiles, and then obviously the autoimmune component. Exactly. Of those. So, for people listening who probably don't know the difference between the two, and we have, we have hyperthyroidism, and then the autoimmune hyperthyroidism, which uh-huh. is Graves, and then the flip side of that, which is probably more commonly yep. what we see, is hypothyroid, yep. which is obviously sl- like slower, like yep. sluggish thyroid, and then the autoimmune component of that, which is Hashimoto's. Yeah. Yeah. So and then all the variations in between that of subclinical variations exactly. or whatever is going on <laughs> with the thyroid.
0: <laughs> Which is a huge one that we yeah. see in regards to what's happening with the hormones and um, the antibodies as yeah. well. So yeah. that's um, that's a whole nother level of diagnosis and picking up whether there's a immune component or, or, or autoimmune component, component. Yeah. as opposed to it being about the hormones, hormones themselves. Yeah, and
1: all I do find with the thyroid, I don't know if you notice this as well like I even if like people's thyroid is very responsive to what's going on like I'm sure you do find this but very responsive to what's going on with other hormones and inflammatory states in their body and I do find that a lot of um, people come in here and like, I've got a thyroid problem and um, someone's been treating me for my thyroid problem. Mm. And you're like, well, let's just actually leave your thyroid alone and work out what's going on. Like, not so support, yeah, yeah. support it, but yeah. I find people come so fixated on the thyroid and like, yeah. let's fix the thyroid. The thyroid, I find, is such a responsive gland mm. to other mm. things. Agree. And other things, you sort them out, like the gut, like we've talked about that, yeah. inflammatory markers of the gut or reproductive hormones, iodine deficiencies more yeah. so than actually – the thyroid, yeah. you know, and the thyroid seems to balance itself quite well. I again. agree. So yeah, I
0: must admit I'm kind of at the point when I see thyroid dysfunction, my first thought is actually more so what's going on in the rest of your body that's exactly like what I do it's, it's actually more like where's the inflammation coming from that's what from? I do yeah, yeah. I feel oh my like god that. we're the same
1: <laughs> matchy matchy <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny the shit we don't talk about <laughs> that we do the same it's quite often people are like oh my thyroid you know my thyroid yeah. my TSH is high and we've got to, we should do something about that or yeah. I've been told I need to do something about that and I actually look and I'm like look it is a bit high mm. oh, let's just watch it let's yeah. correct all this other stuff first yeah. let's work on your gut let's work on your stress let's work on your yeah. insulin let's work on and correct mm-hmm. it. Let's work on your liver and your zinc and selenium and things like that and your liver yeah. conversions and let's actually... See then what happens with that thyroid, and yeah. I have to say, nine times out of ten, it, it balances itself. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. And when
1: you recheck in six months or 12 months down the track, and that TSH is back within range, yeah,
0: or... it's like hallelujah! How yeah, did that happen? Yeah, I
1: didn't need to go and give you massive amounts of iodine and <laughs> yeah. thyroid balancing stuff, and yeah, yeah anyway,
0: yeah, definitely. Yes, <laughs> <So there's...
1: laughs> that's the thyroid,
0: and then uh, the other access would be pushing into the adrenals, yes, you know, sort of HPA, HPA access,
1: yeah. yeah. So for people. So that's a hyperthalamic, hyperth- <laughs> fridays, adrenal, hypothalamic, pituitary axis. It's a hi- far hi- out. A hyper hi- something. I was, like, I was like, hyper, hyper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So
0: it's a relationship between those glands and yep. how they're speaking to each other. Mm. But essentially, as far as things that can go wrong there, Oh my (laughs) God, there's There's lots of different ones. And again, it depends if it's actual pathology or not, like some sort of potential growth. Um, I mean, that's more extreme. We don't see a lot of that, like tumors and growth and so forth. We'd probably see more of like Did I actually
1: say the HPAX's name right then? Yeah. Did I? I feel like I left out a, did I leave out the adrenal? axis i did know because i used the a as axis oh you did too a is between i did because i'm like i've totally just stuffed that up (laughs) (laughs) like wait a second (laughs) <laughs> you're, like, so, talking. I'm not even no, listening you. I didn't to. even notice. No, I'm, I'm just like, no, Chrissy, you didn't get that right. I'm um, adrenal axis. There yeah. we go. Because you're talking about these glands and I'm like, I didn't see adrenals. <laughs> so yeah. Adrenals That's being nice the, one, the one thing that we actually want to yeah. focus on here. Um, yeah, so. But do you
0: know what I mean? Like, we see probably more of just the... Um, the struggling of those organs I would say more like a more of a I don't really like that whole adrenal exhaustion No,
1: neither. but but
0: essentially the adrenals being under a heavy load the cortisol levels being depleted or the adrenaline being either depleted or way too high that's the sort of relationship that we tend to to see see, yeah
1: and then how that impacts the other organs as well obviously when you start looking at hormones you can't just segregate reproductive from thyroid and reproductive from uh, you know the adrenals and things like that these guys all have such an intricate relationship that it's not about okay well let's just you look really tired let's balance your thyroid or you look really tired you must be adrenally fatigued it's not how the hormones work you and I know that and I think people should really have a good understanding of that yeah um that definitely people can be like adrenally depleted or their adrenals are under a heavy load, but that's going to impact their thyroid. That's also going to impact their reproductive hormone. So it is a balancing act a lot of the times between a lot of those. Yeah.
0: It's so fundamentally important that when we look at what's going on, so if someone presents with a hormonal picture, um, say they walk in and they've got, um, let's say they've got like a thyroid issue going on, or let's say they've got Mm. endo, for instance, you can't just singularly look at that yeah. on its own. You have to look at the relationship between all of these hormones. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to look at how they're speaking to each other and, yeah. you know, what's influencing what because it's this beautiful, like, intricate relationship mm. and they're so symbiotic. It's kind yeah. of cool the way they it's, all sort of it's mud so map cool. out together. Yeah. Um, and you have to really delve into all of that and I, then once you – understand how they're all relating to each other for that person then you've got to look at okay so where is that that stress or that inflammation yeah. coming in at yeah. and, and
1: what part of those pathways are malfunctioning yeah and hence why it is such a complicated area to treat it's a freaking exciting one to yeah. treat. though. Know, like the thing i think i love about hormones is the testing that you can do and the answers that you can pull from the testing but yeah. when you actually get that combo combination of treatment right. Yeah. And to be honest, like some of it you can do just symptom based, but I do find I get the best results when I see paper on paper what's what pathways are yeah. malfunctioning. Yeah. And then that's when you just really hit the nail on the head for yeah. each person. You're like this is what you need. And yeah. then bang the, it's like it's I don't know, it's just like the little flower petals starting unfolding for them yeah. and they're just like, oh, my God, like I've had acne for so many years and I've tried all these diets and I've done this, I've done that, and all of a sudden you just go, bang, here's this one yeah. part of this pathway that we needed to know about. Yeah and that starts yep. going away.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, or, yeah. For sure.
1: Bloody exciting. Which
0: is probably a good to segue <laughs> into the testing that we do do. Yeah. yeah. Like we huh. do.
1: Plug. <laughs> <laughs> Plug <that> baby. <laughs> because
0: I think when it comes again to hormones, there's a lot of different testing that's out mm. there. So, We have people go to their GP or come in with tests that they've had done, which will just be simple blood tests. Yeah, and look, they're good for a generalised snapshot. (laughs) Carissa won't (laughs) sugarcoat it. (laughs) Well, actually, it depends, right? It depends on. So for reproductive hormones, they they are—they're just—they're crap. They're like a tiny little, tiny little snapshot in. Oh my God, it's really, really hard to get any idea with yeah, like a reproductive, reproductive like feature. your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone yeah. even, I would say, um, your FSH, LH. so and just to
1: even elaborate on that, if you are not on the pill and you are getting your hormones tested through your GP, the best chance you have of seeing absolutely any identifiable... Br- or recognizable pattern or mm. anything is you have to do that test on day twenty one of your cycle yeah. to get a true progesterone yeah. reading. Things like. A lot of people don't know that they'll just go and get their yeah. blood test any old day in their cycle, yeah. and it's just like it just makes it even harder to tell anything for a start. Like yeah. we're already looking at that, going, look, the chance of it's actually pulling anything. You, you do sometimes see like a throw a high estrogen or yeah, like yeah. something. You can pick up yeah, a few yeah. things from. It, I have to be honest. Yeah. But compared to what you can do with a more comprehensive Oh, my God, yeah, it's testing. just nothing, yeah. It's like looking at, I don't know, what's a good analogy? I need mean, something, like, really crap and something really amazing. Well, like, to me, <laughs> it
0: reminds me of the stool testing, like yeah, the really true. generic stool testing where you just as do a one-off to. snapshot yeah. and test, like, for maybe, I don't know, like six strains of bacteria yeah, <laughs> as opposed yeah. to, like, doing a yeah. three-day yeah, culture exactly. of specimens with, like, you know, so many hundreds of are different cultures, like it's just yeah, you know, it's incomparable. Chalk and cheese. Chalk and cheese, right? Chalk eh? and
1: cheese. <laughs> the, other, the other hormone testing, obviously worth mentioning, then we're talking about GP testing. And I think this to us is common knowledge and this to a lot of um, people now is becoming common knowledge. But if, if you want a good idea of what's going on with your thyroid, yeah, stock standard TSH mm. through the GP is not a good, not a great way of mm-hmm. identifying a thyroid problem. There's so much else, so many other... Things going on with thyroid, um, like so you've got TSH, T3, T4, reverse T3, and then your thyroid antibodies. And if you want to know what your thyroid's doing, these are the things your GP needs to be testing. You won't know if you have an autoimmune thyroid condition unless you test the antibodies. Exactly. And we
0: see that all the time because we'll have clients come in, won't we, and they'll have... They they might have just had a standard test done and it's got their TSH levels on it, yep. and then we push to get the antibodies done. And the and are it them. comes back and they're super super high. Yeah, it's real. and everything else can look fine, fine. otherwise. Yeah. You have to get those done. Like yeah. It's so vital to consider the whole picture. Yeah, and unfortunately, like some GPs are great, but um, you know, we work with some awesome ones. Yeah, but we do. others are just like, no, I'm only going to do your TSH. And your TSH
1: was fine last. T- should yeah. yeah. They're <laughs> you like, your TSH was fine last test. There's no reason to test anything else. And it's like, well, clearly you've got all these telltale signs that maybe your thyroid is struggling. Do yeah. we need to know if we're dealing with an autoimmune condition or if we're just dealing with a yeah. subclinical hyperthyroid yeah. condition? They're two very different things. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, not super different, but treatment is a lot. Yeah, is a yeah. lot different like you definitely would really focus more on an autoimmune condition or yeah if and knowing if you have to whereas if you know that you don't have to that completely changes yeah. what you're dealing with yeah. um is your thyroid just struggling because there's other mm. things going on there's no autoimmune processes going on in yeah. the body
0: but i think that you know as far as testing goes like you can get a good picture of the thyroid through a standard gp test as long as they test the right things absolutely t4 it.
1: is super important yeah yeah like Reverse T3 and T3, yeah. But even if your GP will just do TSH and T4, yeah. That's
0: just a starting point. As a starting point, I just think it's it is a test that you can Mm -hmm. potentially get and you know utilize Medicare
1: if you need to, as
0: opposed to paying. Like obviously, we have access to doing even more intensive testing, but
1: yeah, something like that. If you do it with us, which is fine. Yeah. the GP can do it. Then I know exactly. We can look more at your other hormones. Yep. <laughs> <with> Dutch testing.
0: <laughs> but then with the, the last one, from a general test point of view, would be your adrenals. So things like, Morning like looking at DHEA oh, and cortisol yep. and stuff like that. Yep. But I, again, I find them really useless yeah. with those types of tests. Yeah, like only, it just doesn't give much no, at all.
1: Like the only <laughs> thing you get out of it, to, to be honest, DHEA, not much. To be honest, or mm. even te- like t- testosterone in those no. tests, I find like I've actually when we've done. Um the more comprehensive, like the Dutch style testing. I've looked at people's like serum, serum testosterone that they've done through their GP yeah, and it's every, fine and right? it's fine. Yeah, and exactly. then you do like the Dutch comprehensive testing, you're like Far out. <laughs> <helps. That laughs> helps. <it>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, the, the morning cortisol, and cortisol, gives you a bit of an idea yeah. of their cortisol peak, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah. are they hitting a higher peak in the morning? Yeah. So, I suppose if you see the people that sit around in that bottom 200 level, you can kind of assume they're yeah. a bit more adrenally depleted of their cortisol. But you know that from good case taking, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so
0: true. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, the test that we use is Dutch testing, yes. which is basically a dry urine test. Yeah. Um, What's the Dutch stand for? Can you remember off the top of your head? Shride your, your eye. Yeah. <laughs> test. T- test.
1: Because <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I don't know.
0: actually didn't even think to look up what the acronym's for, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well,
1: um, but essentially, it's awesome. That's what you need to yeah. Know.
0: But that's the one that we tend to lean mm. towards. We find it so amazing for getting a really fantastic overview of your profiles from a reproductive point of view and through to that adrenal mm-hmm. axis. Yeah. So see as we're talking about before, it gives us an idea of how they're all relating to each other and we can see everything um, in relation to... The top of the tree with your progesterone yes. your cortisol, and your DHEA, DHEA, how that's flowing down into your estrogen. So, again, that relationship between them and how then that flows off into mm. your testosterone. And yep. we can see the breakdown of all your different types of estrogen to yep. see if you're producing like the, the you know, problem. for layman's terms, like that sort of good versus bad. Uh, estrogen. Really, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, we can see that relationship. And then we can see, yeah, how that pulls back to, obviously, the adrenal
1: side. You can also see testosterone and how that's breaking down. Yeah. So it's really important to know there's two ways testosterone yep. can go when it's breaking down or moving to, through the pathways. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if you're producing more potent androgenic styles, uh-huh. the, the, these are the people who are going to push into that PCOS. Yep. Exactly. Um, PCOS style picture. Yeah. Uh, or polycystic, you know.
0: And conversely, the same with like the more estrogen type conditions, like we can, if we suspect there's some things going on there, we can do that test, we can go, all right, there's high estrogen here, but there's also high estrogen on these pathways or this type of estrogen, which is more problematic in regards to it causing more... Detrimental, yeah, you know, out aspects within the, the body from health conditions, so that can be super useful, which you'd never get from no. like standard testing. Even and
1: it's probably important to note too, like if for people, and I've got a quite a few clients at the moment that have quite got quite a strong breast cancer family mm-hmm. risk, like so. There's obviously genetic susceptibility there for estrogenic style cancers and like breast cancer can be one of those as uh-huh. so we can um, endometrial cancers ovarian uh-huh. cancers so they're very each can be very estrogen driven uh-huh. so knowing how your estrogen's functioning if you've got a genetic if you know you've got a genetic risk yeah is really important because you yeah. can start making your estrogen behave better yes exactly <laughs> which is what you want yeah for so many reasons yeah mm.
0: definitely so that's a test that we tend to push towards as much as possible. And we won't always use it. Uh, Again, it comes down to the person and case taking and often it can be really obvious to us what's going on or if there's already a diagnosis and we know that we need to work on a certain area. So it's not always needed but when it is needed it's amazing it's actually really awesome too for menopause when you get someone Mm. in that perimenopausal
1: state we're talking about that today actually won't we
0: yeah i think so yeah Yeah. (laughs) and you just don't know like if there's that question around Mm. are they menopausal perimenopausal or is there other things going Mm. on? I found it amazing for that because once you actually see it and you know, you're like, okay, that's definitely what's going on. Now we can treat that because it may not be. It could actually be something else. That's what I was
1: going to say. So to put it into perspective, I've actually got a client who – um, when she first came to see me, they her period was had pretty much stopped and had been mm-hmm. you know she hadn't had it for a few months. So they're like, oh, you must be going through menopause. We're going to whack you on um, hormone replacement, mm-hmm. so HR, mm-hmm. HRT. She was really stressed at the time. There was heaps going on. Um, they were going to put her on antidepressants because she mm-hmm. was. And luckily, she's got a great head on her shoulders and she put it all into perspective. Um, she put on a bit of weight, so they were just like, yep, it's all just menopause kicking in. To be honest, yep. she, she's. A bit young for menopause, yep. like. But obviously now we know that that can happen a lot earlier for women. So she was mm. just put into that category. Yeah, yeah. Thank God she didn't. She sort of came in and we actually did the Dutch testing before she did any of that, um, yep. and actually looked at what was going on. She just was stressed, yep. like really stressed with yep. work. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on, mm. personal life and things mm. like that. Sorted all that out, like not. We're still sorting it out, clear. Like it's not just that quick fix, but yep. just thank God. She didn't go and go on hormone replacement therapy and antidepressant yeah. all because none of it was necessary. Her period's back and regular. Yeah, she was awesome. just stressed yeah. and it just shut down. Yeah, and like imagine if she was thrown on that medication. Yeah, like she's clearly perimenopausal. Yeah, that's yeah. cool, but yeah. the longer we can just let her body do what it wants to do and look and look at better, like producing more healthy estrogens, yeah. that obviously was an issue as well, yeah. but like you just think Mm. that's so scary just on a whim hormone replacement theory boom antidepressant like that's you're catastrophically changing someone's life with two things right there that wasn't even necessary so this is how cool that that test this test can be
0: actually and that reminds me of even with the cortisol because of the way it's all broken down so Mm. how we can see if someone's super depleted or how how they're metabolizing the cortisol essentially so it really instead of just going everyone's oh you're adrenal fatigue yeah. you need to take x y and z yeah. we can see specifically what's going on because if you give someone the wrong thing yeah you, you can, can actually deplete them further so true. you know you don't want to be kind of pushing those poor little adrenals to do more to when they don't have anything left, left in and the and tank no
1: reserves. <laughs> so yeah.
0: it's really great for i found as you probably have differentiating there and yeah, how absolutely. you can tailor the treatment if it's more like we need to really nurture and support yep. as opposed to going, all right, no, we need to like, you know, maybe push them a little yeah. bit or we need to do yeah. Yeah, this like, Have that. they
1: got some in the tank and we just need to support that stress yeah, stress adaption? Exactly. Or have they got nothing left in the tank and we don't want to force them to be yep. like, we don't want to stimulate them anymore. Yep. We actually just want to let them take a step back, yep. nurture their little babies, <laughs> build, up <your> <laughs> 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 build up your reserves. Build up your reserves. not we're talking about all <laughs> 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 the <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: dear. So the other thing um, when it comes to, I guess testing too, is that it's like it's something we can do for everyone, but we do get asked about um, medication. And, you know, being on things like the pill or if someone's taking, you're like, where are you going with this this? Or hormone replacement (laughs) and so forth? Like it is obviously something that still can be done. Yeah. It was just taken um, into
1: consideration with the testing. Yeah.
0: But I I know you wanted to talk more about the OCP (sighs) in regards to how that fits into all of this. Yeah. So what would you like to say?
1: It's shit. (laughs) So I think something I have been asked about with a few of my clients is um, like my thoughts on the pill. And I do think this is a conversation we have with a lot of our clients. So, But I think the thing I want to talk about too is my experience with the pill and I think this will probably relate to a lot of women out there, or even young girls out there, and I really hope that if anyone is listening to this and they're on the pill and they're experiencing any of these symptoms that maybe it's time to have a bit of a recheck as to how necessary the pill is. So should we talk about the pill and I guess the pill – is a synthetic form of hormone mm. or you and it's usually is it usually estrogen it can be well, or it can be either it can be it either tends
0: to be a little bit more progesterone yeah. only these days yeah. when possible.
1: There was an estrogen back in yeah. my day maybe. Yeah yeah I sold biddies. Anyway so basically what it does is it kind of just puts a blanket over your hormones and kind of makes them just function under its little blanket for a little while. So I was I want to talk about ooh, I wanted to talk about two different things with the pill. One is that, I'm just watching you do that, so <laughs> I like losing what I'm talking about. One is, I guess, the amount of people that I do see on the pill as symptom control for their hormones um do you and I guess you would see that a lot as well like we yep. have I've got a lot of younger huge yeah yep. it's younger girl clients um or female clients clearly been on the pill I'm um, younger cl- female clients that have had hormonal complications in their younger years so whether it be acne really heavy periods um, and um. they're just banged on the pill as yep. a form of symptom such a young age at such a young age yep. as a form of symptom control and I yep. just want to make it pretty clear just because your symptoms aren't there doesn't mean that underlying condition has been yep. addressed the pill is just holding that at bay yeah by controlling what your your reproductive hormones are doing and mm. when you come off the pill i would say eight times sometimes you just grow out of those things like mm. that does change but i think eight times out of ten those issues are still going to be there when you come mm. off the pill mm. so definitely when if we're looking at a pcos style picture or an endometriosis style picture mm. i understand that some people their symptoms are that severe that mm. it's necessary to be on the pill like mm. heavy periods but there's a lot nutritionally and supplement wise that we can do from our end that I think people don't realize. Yeah,
0: yeah, and like, I would even say that for those conditions you just mentioned too. Like I know, again, people, every case is going to be different, but mm-hmm. I've over the years seen remarkable results with working on mm-hmm. nutrition and lifestyle and supplemental support yeah. for those conditions Um, without the need for using medication and hormone intervention. Yeah, and and things
1: that control hair growth and all these things that are really um messing more with Mm. your hpa access 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 hpa access um and even like your liver function and your and your reproductive hormones like there's going to come a time when you come off the pill and for most women pregnancy is going to be something they want to consider if you've been on the pill for x number of years and it's just keeping a condition at bay that's all going to need to be sorted out before Mm. you want to fall pregnant and there's just so many things that I think need to be noted about the pill and yeah. also its effect on your B vitamins and your magnesium status yeah. and your clotting status, which a lot of people aren't told at mm. a young age when they're banged on the pill. Yeah. So when we look at the function of things like magnesium and B vitamins in the body and what they're, apart from energy, really necessary for is healthy neurotransmitter function. Mm-hmm. And a lot of young girls' diets, like young people's diets in general, aren't amazingly healthy. Uh-huh. Um, some of them are, but a lot of them are missing out on a lot of things, like nutrient wise. And then you've got a, a synthetic form of hormone in there that's metabol- metabolization, whatever the word is, sucks up a lot of our B vitamins in its use. So then we start seeing things like anxiety and depression and things uh-huh. like that. So, girls that were probably quite mentally healthy uh-huh. before taking the pill go on the pill and unbeknownst to them, they start getting depressed or they start getting anxious and yeah. they're not sure why. So yeah. then they're banged on an antidepressant on top of the pill. Yeah. I'm fairly confident the pill is the driving force <laughs> for a lot of this based on my experience. <laughs> so, and I think like, obviously when now that I know what I know and how it functions in the body and what it does, it's so clear as to how this picture yeah. forms. But yeah. when I was in my early And this, I'm sharing this because a client of mine thinks I really should and I'm happy to do it, but I just didn't actually. For me, it's just something that's happened in my life. um, And it's just something that happened. But the more people I sort of tell about it, they're like, I really think you need to tell people about this because a lot of this is probably happening for a lot of people and they're not realizing. So I was on the pill from probably about the age of 17, not for hormonal reasons, strictly. for what you you know, say, so having sex, not yeah. getting pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so I was on the pill from, yeah, probably the age of 17 um, onwards. And I, I wouldn't say it was a, like overly unhealthy when I was a teenager. Like I ate really well, I exercised, everything was good. I didn't have any any hormonal stuff going on. So that's the only reason I was on it. Um, and then obviously, you go turn 18, 19, 20, you're drinking a lot, partying, doing all those things. When I was 21, I started suffering. I was had my new boyfriend, current boyfriend, still my boyfriend. <laughs> uh, at the t- you know, we got together, and I started skipping my period on the pill, which. All your GPs will tell you is fine to do. Uh-huh. So you skip your sugar pill so you don't get a period. Or some like you can have as much sex as you want. <laughs> exactly. You never get a period and <laughs> life's just great. <laughs> life's not great when that – so what I started to find was I was probably doing that for probably about six months. I probably had a period every three months. So I would cycle two out and then have one, I think. I can't quite remember. It's a long time ago. Um I started getting anxiety. I've never had any sort of mental health issues in my life, like, that I knew of, like, people might debate that. <laughs> <Never> stick. <laughs> but for someone who's never had anxiety or anything like that, I started getting mm. and I started, I had an anxiety attack that was so bad that I was hospitalised. Mm. You could not convince me I was not dying. Like, yeah. heart rate through the roof, um, pale, sweaty, um, like, put in hospital because yeah. they had to monitor me like you like could not convince me I was not going to die yeah obviously I was drinking at the time to- like drinking alcohol sometimes so I wasn't looking after myself so there are other factors yeah. that need to be considered but looking back on what I was doing and putting into perspective I can't actually I'm not blaming the pill solely for it I could have yeah. been looking after myself a lot better yeah but I'll walk through the story Anyway, so this continued to happen, like every every couple of weeks or so, like I'd, I'd sort of be okay, but once, obviously anyone who's experienced anxiety will know that once you have that attack, mm. it plays on your mm, mind definitely. and it, it starts and affecting your social thing. I stopped drinking coffee, I was too scared to have mm. a coffee, anything mm. that would, I stopped I didn't even have chocolate, anything, Oh my God. I know, <laughs> You're like, who gives a shit about the coffee? No chocolate, we need to intervene. Um, <laughs> but i i saw a gp i had like i just kept getting these anxiety attacks like to the point where I was too scared to like to go out sometimes like Greg Uh. would have to sit with me like we'd go to a party and I would just lose my shit like Uh. I would freak out I would have to leave um he would have to sit with me walk with me this would go on for hours sometimes Uh. I would be up all night sometimes like to to the point where I actually just physically exhausted myself into such a state that I would end up in tears Uh. and then I would just cry myself to sleep and then you're that tired and this just becomes an awful vicious cycle and this went on for months and Obviously, I stopped drinking. I stopped doing everything that could possibly be contributing to these attacks. Like I was del- – I didn't yet would – e- wouldn't even have chocolate for the small amount of caffeine that could mm. be in that that could bring my heart rate up enough to trigger an attack. Like I saw doctors. I had tests done. I had those little friggin' things hooked up to you, <laughs> those sucker pads hooked up to your head, and they test your brain waves. I had um, every test under the sun done and – the only answer they could give me was, you need to go on an anti-anxiety medication, mm-hmm. which I just did not want to do. because This is probably like six months into it, 12 months. By all the time mm-hmm. the tests are getting done, I'm like, I don't understand how someone who was healthy six yeah. months ago is all you need to find out what the answer is. Yeah. Like, and I think it was my mum turn around and because the only answer they had was we're going to put, just take the medication, take the medication, you mm. feel better. And I don't want to take the medication. I've seen what medication does to, like, people like, having a sister with mental health stuff yeah. and things like that. Like, I don't want, I'm yeah. not taking it. Like, I just point blank refuse. And I think it was my mum that turned around and said to me, why don't you take a, keep a diary of your symptoms? Yeah. So sure enough, that's what I did. I just started... Writing out every time I was anxious and how I would feel. And there started to be this correlation. Every time I was due to get my period, uh, I would have a debilitating attack. Like I was anxious anyway. Yeah. But I think that's because once you – like anyone who's had anxiety knows, once you have – it's just always yeah. there in the back of your mind. But the uncontrollable attacks were the times when I was skipping my yeah. period, like uh-huh. on my pill. So I just pulled myself off the pill. Like I started – any time I would, I would actually get my period or skip it, was always on this date, like yeah. these seven days where you take your sugar pills. So I yeah. get my period at the same time. So, so hormonally driven. Yeah. Um, but also, if I skipped it, they were even worse. Yeah. So, after about three months of realizing this, I was like, shit, there's a real pattern here. Like, yeah. obviously, I did heaps with my food as well over that time like i pulled out all the bad stuff i i pulled out wheat i pulled out like i, I sorted out my gut in a massive yeah, way like I was real, like because i did i did lots of research this is even pre even having any interest in studying nutrition or anything right. like pulled out wheat um that was a massive one for the depressive symptoms for yeah. me like because obviously you get really down so so much change but the, the catalyst for the absolute knocking the anxiety mm. on the head was coming off the pill how long did it take Probably yeah, two, two months, not even. Yeah. Like I didn't. The next month, I didn't even have an anxiety yeah, attack. Wow. But then, within two to three months, which I guess knowing now the washout cycle of the pill itself, yeah, um, yeah, I have not had an anxiety attack since. I think that's I had, amazing. I think I had one, and that was because I went back on the pill when I was about twenty-five. Yeah. and bang, pulled myself straight yeah. back off. So I don't know if that's more psycho, mm. psychological, psychosomatic, mm. whatever you want to call it, but. That is, it's so on. Yeah. And the
0: thing is, it's it's not what you're saying isn't uncommon. Like a lot no. of women. The more you talk to women about their experience with or the, the pill, pill, they'll often tell you, I can't take the pill because it, it makes me, me bad feel or makes me depressed or makes me, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know,
0: like it's this funny thing, and it's yeah. like, well, no, it's not. And it's look, it's a hard one because I think everyone's, yeah, every woman has a choice, obviously, in regards yeah. to taking the pill, and it is. We're talking about it, obviously, in regards to using it for um health conditions even though mm. you're talking about for contraception but of course yes. it's used heavily for contraception yeah. and totally get that, that, yeah. that that's an option for people and some people are fine on some it
1: some people are fine and on that's
0: it. great but i think what's important is to highlight that, the underlying <laughs> very underlying potential risk factors mm-hmm. how it can be correlated through to other health conditions yeah. and also what you are saying earlier about it being used to just mask something that's yeah. going on underneath that isn't being dealt with and potentially becoming more problematic long yeah. term
1: and even the b vitamins that it depletes on a um like totally separate but looking at gut function the stripping back yeah. those b vitamins like some yeah. of those are involved for muscle motility like how many constipated females do we see yeah. that are on the pill yeah and you're just like You can't ignore that correlation. Like you've had healthy functioning bowels. Now all of a sudden you're on the OCP. Because the OCP made you a bit depressed, you're on um – some yep. form of antidepressant, all yep. of a sudden your gut functions crap. Yeah. I'm sorry. Exactly. Correlation. <laughs> the other one
0: I see a lot with is a marina. I see oh. some clients that are okay with it, but I've had some clients also so that? with it's just been horrific. What like, about the
1: frigging implant on I That know. is like the fucking OCD. <laughs> like from mental health condition on steroids, it's like, let's <laughs> just sort of And then back- it's in there and
0: then it's like <laughs> it's mentally women are just like, well, I've just had this thing in
1: and, and I'm gain. just like, I don't
0: want to get rid of it because I've just had it surgically put into yeah. me or what? you know i cut it,
1: it out a bloody rusty knife
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah crazy oh, stuff okay no so thanks for sharing that that's
1: my story that's <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I guess what we want to move on to from here is in regards to the treatment side of Mm -hmm. what we do when it comes to dealing with hormones Mm -hmm. and as always we're not going to delve deeply into taking this particular supplement so forth and but you know we're talking about so many different conditions um but i think what we really want to highlight is that when it comes to treatment with hormones that it's really about addressing all aspects of your life you have to look at your dietary intake, it has to be considered in regards to obviously what you're putting in your mm-hmm. body, but how you can use the diet medicinally. There's some amazing things you can do depending on what's going with your hormones. But the other part is supplementation. And they're super
1: um, important with hormone oh, stuff it's like... It's
0: huge. It's very hard to, I think, work with hormones. without
1: supplements. Yeah, you
0: need those supplements majority of the time to have a more specific effect, whether yeah. it's you needing to downregulate amount of estrogen being produced Clear or regulate the type. Or yeah. Upregulate right progesterone. Type. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got to, you know, there's different things you can do there. And then the same with the thyroid and how we would go about that, whether yeah. we've got a hyper or a hypose state and different things mm. we can use. The adrenals, oh my God, and that whole HPA yeah. access. Yeah. Like there's some amazing things that we can do there. But um just doing that through diet i think you know what i think in some ways with adrenals you could do it with diet and lifestyle yeah if you could pretty much just take someone and put them on an island for like A three months retreat. and just all they did was sleep and eat good food and read books and swim in the and ocean
1: the occasional cocktail yeah, yeah, like yeah damn sexy <laughs> chris hemsworth looking species <laughs> God, can we go to that island now? (laughs) Sorry, the clinic's closed (laughs) the rest of the year. Chris, you're coming with us.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I think from a treatment point of view, all of those aspects have to be looked at. And lifestyle is actually a massive one. So, Mm. you know, working on diet, working on supplements, but if you are in a position of high stress. You know that has to be looked at. You have to look at yeah. making some fundamental changes, and we're realistic about that. Like we don't yes. expect people to be meditating an hour every I've morning. I've got a lot of
1: people to quit their jobs. I have. To, actually, I lately. think I've had, I reckon I've had a few good yeah, success stories yeah, too. I think so because when you <laughs> get into hormones, gut function, there's everything like everything there, but. I think what we we're going to talk about was the relationship between cortisol and progesterone. A lot of people don't realize that uh-huh. if you are highly stressed and those little adrenals are pumping out cortisol yeah. at a rapid rate, cortisol when it it will steal your precursor to make progesterone to make its own h- hormone. Or- yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, know. you know what I mean. Everyone else probably does a <laughs> like, what? what is she saying?
0: Pregnant? No, definitely.
1: It's a pregnenolone. It steals. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: essentially, yeah. If you're if you're in that really high adrenal state mm-hmm. and there's overproduction of cortisol, it's going to steal the progesterone. Essentially, it's going to steal from that pathway. And if there's you, that flow through that just goes from there onto yep. the rest of your hormones. So yep. there's that, again, that symbiotic relationship between the two. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So back um, to the deserted island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Quit your job.
0: <laughs> but the one thing I guess I did want to mention when we talk about the dietary side um, maybe is a few of the medicinal types of foods because I mm. think that, like, it's really important for um, – looking at things like your brassica veggies for Mm -hmm. people like I think it's just one that is worth mentioning like if you already know that you're dealing with more estrogen dominant Mm. conditions um, and to be honest um, most hormonal conditions (laughs) in regards to reproductive sphere um, because these brassica veggies are not only good for your estrogen clearance and type of estrogen production but they're good for your liver clearance yeah so if yeah, when we talk about brassicas, it's all your Brussels sprouts and your kales and your cabbage and your broccoli and yep. your leeks. It's that sort of beautiful family there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as far as the hormonal side all goes. Adrenal with
1: these, teas can't be underestimated. Like yeah, tea, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Medicinal teas. Like, well, is that, I don't know if we're still talking about like, anyway. No, 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 for yeah. sure, for like sure. Like that was just something else that popped into my head. Like I've yeah. got a lot of highly stressed clients that I'm just like, we're doing other stuff at the moment, but this will help in the background. Yeah. Like licorice, ginseng, like there's all these beautiful tea, yeah. herbal teas. Um, oh, there's something holy basil. Like there's all these medicinal teas that you yeah. can actually take that are so nice with just adrenal yeah. Love. Like yes. I actually call them my drink love tea list. And I send that to clients. I'm like, I want you to just go and drink this shit till the cows come
0: home. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. And then, like, no, what I was going to say is from the thyroid picture uh, yeah. in regards to certain foods there. So, you know, there's certain foods that we would say, Try and eat a little bit more of if you knew that your mm. thyroid was a little bit under-functioning. Mm. So, foods are going to be rich in your selenium and your zinc and so forth and your iodine. So, your seaweeds and, yeah, oysters. <laughs> Brazil nuts eggs. are going to be great and your pepitas and mm. those sorts of foods. Yeah, um, yeah and then maybe not going as hell for leather on your brassicas yeah. in, in that picture um, as well. What about
1: xenoestrogens? That's something too that people, if like if you definitely know that you've got an estrogen dominant style condition or you are very estrogeny. Mm-hmm. um for whatever reason even just minimizing your xenoestrogen load so what's in your um moisturizers plastics things like yeah. that that on every day on some level where it's all i think the
0: big one there is also heating up your food every day plastic, in plastic containers is a yep. massive one to yep. get out of i try oh my god damien does that and i'm always like don't do it yeah and, um so that and also drink bottles drink like the bottles. just every day just plastic ones and yep. people just buying a plastic bottle and then just refilling yeah. it and using that. Yeah. They're probably the two big ones. And then leaving it in a hot car, particularly yeah. in Brisbane, uh, and letting it heat yeah. up. You can
1: actually Holy taste molly. the plastic you in can. the water when you do that. Like I know I've made a mistake. Of I've just had a drink bottle sitting on my seat. Yeah. I've got my trusty good one here. But yeah. like you know, you do have, from time to time, buy your plastic ones and I'll just leave it in my car and then two days later I might pick it. and you can taste the plastic in the yeah. water and you're like, oestrogen. That's what I think. <laughs> Everyone else is probably like plastic. I'm like, oestrogen. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah so there's a few food factors that are definitely worth just discussing there yeah um absolutely the other factor we just wanted to cover off which i think we've already chatted about a bit is how dealing with hormones is very multifactorial so there's that relationship between them all but you cannot ignore how it comes back to the entirety of your whole body and particularly as always back to gut health yeah and one of the things i wanted to point <laughs> out course. here is something we see a lot with our female clients where People will come in with gut health conditions, so whatever their conditions are, and we'll work with them and get their gut nice mm-hmm. and healthy, um, and they're feeling great and energized and so forth, and then maybe you're sort of three or four months into treatment, and they'll say to you, my periods are great. Like I used yeah, to get this really cold. bad pain and heavy bleeding and clotting and moody Mm -hmm. and it's just not happening anymore Mm -hmm. and it's so common because of that relationship there because you've got a healthy liver which is Mm -hmm. processing hormones hormones better better. you've got a healthy gut bacterial base Mm -hmm. so you're not recycling through estrogen you're Mm -hmm. actually clearing Clearing your estrogen there too and you've got all these beautiful factors that Mm -hmm. are helping you out to ensure that your hormones are working more effectively so I strongly, strongly believe that to have healthy hormones, you, you need to have, to have a healthy, healthy gut, gut. Oh, without slash liver. Like Yeah, relation- liver are huge. Oh, my God. People forget about yeah.
1: that guy. I bang on about the liver all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's so true. Like yeah. for everything that, yeah, especially with hormones, your liver, thyroid hormones, reproductive hormones, yeah. your liver has to be in tip-top shape. Yeah. Just deal with them alone let alone everything else that it has to deal with
0: yeah it's so so fundamental like i just i honestly believe that if you are dealing with hormonal issues you have to address the gut and the liver like it's just so so vital and if you can get them functioning really well then you'll find that majority of the time your hormones start to take care of themselves yes they might need still some form of support yeah um, but essentially working with the gut yeah. can be amazing,
1: Absolutely. which I
0: think is just so exciting. Of course. <laughs> I, mean, I even know from my own, um, circumstances, like the, you know, thinking of earlier years of just being, as you say, like unhealthy and so forth, mm. or, or just not eating as well and having mm. like horrific period pain through to just taking care of yourself and, yeah having a healthy gut and just seeing the changes. It's just phenomenal. just
1: even I know we've talked about this, just even on a stress level, like I know the months that I am more stressed, my period is worse when I get it. And that's because you just know, bang on, that your liver has had to deal with more than what it had to, say, the previous month. And I I just know, like if I've had a stressful month where we've just been busy, 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 or you've had some family stuff happen or all, Mm. all these other things that you can't control, Sometimes I don't think about it, and not that my periods ever that horrific, but you just—it's yep. heavier. The PM, you might get more bloating or yep. more pain, and just yep. like bang on. And then you next month you're like, right, I'm actually going to look, give my liver a bit more love, and adrenals a bit more de-stress. Yeah, this and then your next period—it's just you can't ignore it. Yeah, like it's not in a—I'm te- sure it's not in a textbook, but we know it because we see it. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we live it. We breathe it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I think the other thing we wanted to talk about you touched on that relationship between cortisol and progesterone (laughs) (laughs) relationship
1: (laughs) between cortisol and everything
0: (laughs) was it um, the relationship between cortisol and um, insulin insulin.
1: so insulin is like this is a little bit and this is probably something people don't really think of at all when they think about hormones but insulin itself is a hormone so this is our blood sugar hormone for people who aren't 100% aware of what insulin is and insulin shares a really close relationship with cortisol but it also shares a really close relationship with another hormone called leptin so these guys also have a really symbiotic relationship and when things are functioning well they function well Mm -hmm. Um, when things are not functioning well they're usually out of whack too so obviously insulin being our blood sugar hormone we want that to balance if it's not then if we're insulin say insulin resistance things we will start to see so polycystics ovarian syndrome fits into an insulin resistant picture, sometimes more type 2 diabetes, um, either or. But insulin resistance is really um indicated in metabolic style syndrome. So if you're carrying that weight around the scent, you know, that central adiposity so that can be oestrogen, but it can be insulin as well. Mm-hmm. So obviously if your cortisol is just out of whack all the time, um your insulin's going to be out of whack. But vice versa, if you're not eating properly um and your insulin is out of whack because your meals aren't balanced or your too many carbohydrates or something like that, that is also going to have an impact on how your cortisol functions throughout the day and drain those cortisol reserves as well. The other thing that cortisol and insulin um, kind of have a big control over is our hunger hormone. So, leptin is what, and that's a receptor that sits in our gut. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if your insulin's functioning properly and your cortisol's functioning properly, you're gonna experience hunger at the right time mm. and have a proper balance between your meals. So, if you're eating a, what you think is a balanced meal and an hour later you're hungry, like mm. starving hungry, mm. that's not true hunger. That's leptin malfunctioning nine times out of 10. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And when we start looking at leptin and insulin not functioning properly together, that's a stress on the body. If there's mm. a stress on the body, we've got inflammation. Yeah, so I really love getting into that. You <laughs> Indeed, know, that I do. Is. I just love that area. Like, I just think because it's yeah. such an easy one to tweak. Like yeah. the rest of the hormones, there's it's a bit more of a process. Insulin and leptin, you can correct that in. Or I can do that in a week sometimes yeah. with people. People are like, how long till I see a response? I'm like three to four days sometimes. Yeah. Like yeah. you get that balance right, you get that hormone, that receptor at the mm. receptor level, mm. and the gut functioning right, and balance that insulin, and that's just that pathway sorted out. Bang. Yeah, and I love it. People
0: <laughs> be like, how do we? do this thing. what do you do What's
1: i'm like magic? <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's like it's such a good one to sort out yeah. and it's such an easy one to sort out but it's just so overlooked in so many yeah. areas of treatment and, and again it comes back to balancing mm. your meals a healthy gut yep. healthy blood sugar levels and that's just such a massive stress off the body that stress off your mm. liver stress off your cortisol
0: It's interesting what you're saying too about like getting hungry really quickly, but then there's the other side of where people are just running on that adrenaline Adrenaline. all day. Cortisol
1: just shuts the response down. No hunger.
0: And you see that a lot Mm. where people will come in and they're not eating all day and then they get home and they're famished because they are finally stopped. (laughs) You're like
1: famished. I was not going (laughs) to say that. I was going to be like and
0: stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so classic mm. I mean I think we've all experienced that mm. to a point where you're just like you know it's not feeling the hunger yeah. and then you stop you're like oh my god I'm so hungry yeah so yeah and I think the last one is that relationship between cortisol and the thyroid mm. so basically the cortisol levels being high and then messing with that conversion of your thyroid hormones. hormones yeah
1: absolutely
0: which then can go through into potentially people having issues maybe with the weight gain and so forth so there's that classic people talk about being stressed and gaining weight too yeah. I and mean, obviously let's we'll talk about the insulin factor but yeah there's yeah. that thyroid factor too so yeah. i mean essentially you can see here where <laughs>
1: yeah. it's all starting to come together stress
0: Oops. and stress. the whole cortisol factor is
1: Pretty problematic. But even like, so you've got your cortisol impacting your liver. Like, obviously, because it's busy dealing yep. with the cortisol metabolites. So the downstream of that for your thyroid is those conversions. Your hormones conversions for your thyroid happen in your liver. Yeah. So if you're stressed or your liver's overburdened and you're, mm. you're putting on weight and you don't know why and you're like, oh, my thyroid's struggling, I'll take something for that, work on your liver. Clean yeah. your liver up. Yep. You'd be surprised. It might not be that your thyroid, like your thyroid's clearly struggling, but it's not that gland. Your liver needs exactly. help. And so that's, that's, again, coming back to the
0: testing, which is yeah. really great because then we can see, see that. It's like, okay, let's work Work on the adrenals and your cortisol and that's going to help with your thyroid instead of going, let's work on your thyroid. Yeah. It's, again, it's like let's work on the core issue. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think it's really fascinating the more we chat about this, how it's just like that whole – flow through of everything, okay. but quarters, I was like, <laughs> stress, 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 stress,
1: stress. stress, stress. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which yeah. is why, like, I think I did, I had like a, a thing last year. I think it was like in the space of two weeks, I had six clients, I think I was proud of I think I had four or five, yeah. quit their jobs. Like just yeah. I remember like oh, another person quit their job, but only because like there's only, there's so much we can do, yeah. but if that stress element is not addressed or yeah. that you can't work with that, then we need to start working out what steps need yeah. to be taken because your health has got to be your number one priority no job is worth your health no uh, so true and like i would have clients in here crying crying because they were just that depleted and burnout and depressed and run down it's just and it's just like there's no way out for them and it's just like it's horrible to see it's horrible but then it's
0: so damn amazing when you see the difference and they come in and they've quit their job or they've changed their job and it's like a new person like that that release of that yeah. pressure and that stress, yeah. and how then that flows through onto their health, like yeah. it's phenomenal. They, they start
1: exercising, and they everything you, we, you talked about with them, they can actually yeah. have the time to implement it instead of maybe like not half us implementing on there and just physically not having yeah. the time to do it properly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, their energy's back, and their yeah. vitality's back, and you can just see that spark back, yeah. and it, that is freaking awesome. Yeah,
0: I love that. I love just that. The same spark. with the hormones when you see mm-hmm. people who have had like horrific. PMS or PMD or like yeah particularly the pain and the and all those sorts of mm-hmm. factors and the clotting and the heavy periods and you see that starting to come together or the extreme bloating that some yeah. women can experience like you know they're just dreading their cycle every yeah. time around and then you see that coming back yeah. together and they're experiencing normal periods again yeah and um, it's just so it's just awesome like I yeah, love it yeah
1: because some people are knocked out by the period for yeah. two weeks before they get it so, yeah and you have your period for a week or you know for a week so you're getting one good week a month that's not okay yeah exactly like i agree yeah sort that shit out (laughs) (sighs) i think
0: we've kind of covered everything we wanted to talk about we knew this was going to be a long one because hormones are pretty intense Intense. so i hope you guys aren't just like oh
1: my god my brain hurts i I I want a penis (laughs) 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 get rid of that get rid of that uterus (laughs) So much easier. I say that to Greg sometimes. I'm like, you don't understand how lucky you are to have a penis. And he's like, I don't even understand what you're saying. I'm like, you saw what I see in the clinic. Like even compared, like my hormones are are great compared to what yeah. we see. But you just like. Just on any level, oh. fire out, you boys have got a good sometimes. Oh, this is so true. <laughs> maybe not from the thyroid adrenal side of things, but just that whole period reproductive. Yep. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've just totally degraded the, everything we talked about by throwing a penis word in
0: there. <laughs> I think the other moral to the story of all of this is that you pretty much just need to go and live on an island somewhere and have mm. Chris Hemsworth With serve you <laughs> cocktails. And- everything will be fine <laughs> absolutely oh, that's
1: a dream isn't it let's, let's just I heard that, on radio. that yeah let's just take it <laughs>
0: <laughs> alright guys well it's been awesome um, as usual if you've got any questions or more
1: things queries, you want us to talk about yep, yep. hit us up hit us
0: up we- um, you can hit us up on social media sites you can leave a comment here on iTunes or on SoundCloud yeah. You can Pop us email, email us. The
1: We've had yeah, a couple of emails. We have. So, yeah. It's
0: been great, actually. We've had a couple of emails and direct messages on social media, people requesting topics, mm. which is awesome. Keep them up. We're just keeping notes of those. Yeah. And we'll make sure we just slowly keep chipping through them. Mm-hmm. But,
1: fantastic. yeah, if there's anything, yeah, just let us know because we will talk about it. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we will.
0: <laughs> and as always, if you Not leave us. us yeah you better love us subscribe yeah 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 definitely (laughs) we'd love you to subscribe um and we'd love you to tell a friend you know share the podcast yeah tell a friend just let's keep spreading the love um and yeah if you can leave us a five-star review that's always awesome yep um that would be absolutely swell done but other than that, we are off to enjoy the weekend. Chris has got a week off. Oh my god! Woohoo! She's working on reducing her cortisol levels. Yeah, Stratty, here
1: I come. <laughs> Damaging my liver, and reducing my cortisol. Right. <laughs> no, nah, I'll be good. I'll be good.
0: Did you hold her to that, everyone? She will be good.
1: <laughs> I'll just like lock myself off social media, so no one knows what I'm doing. Right? <laughs> Yes. Can't wait. Beach uh, time. Yo. Beach and book time. Woohoo! All right. All
0: right. Well, it's been awesome, and um, we'll chat to you next time.
1: Yep. Adios. Bye. Bye.